NVIDIA is done with small GPUs, the EU is done with gas-powered vehicles, Xbox is done with consoles, and Intel is done with bad frame rates. Let's get into the hot news, everybody. I'm your Brett host. We're going to be going over the hottest tech news that I can find on the internet while you enjoy your breakfast. And we're going to start off the top of the stories talking about how there's new reports coming out on NVIDIA's next generation GPUs, and they're going to be bigger thicker and more fans than ever before because according to the well-known leaker who's telling us what's going on with the RTX 4090 and 4090 Ti, uh, two fans, the one fan and the two fan aren't gonna cut it. This will be a triple fan solution. They will need a triple fan cooler for the reference design board of the AD102. And on top of that, on top of just having to push more air, it will also need to be a four slot cooler. As somebody who recently picked up an RTX 3090 Ti Founders Edition, that is one BF GPU, and it just seems like NVIDIA is ready to do the BFBF GPUs and make it so that you need to have a bigger case. We need to now start getting a new motherboard standard that's like LATX, long ATX, so that you have enough space to put other cards in after you have a freaking quad slot GPU. My goodness, tons of power, tons of fans, tons of slots, tons of performance. Hopefully, I'm waiting on the 40 series. NVIDIA, give us the goodness. But not only is NVIDIA going to be changing up their form factor, it turns out that Apple, according to Bloomberg at least, is going to be changing the form factor on a few of their best-selling devices. The iPad Pro allegedly is going to be getting a 14.1-inch model. Currently, the largest version is 12.9 inches, so this would be slightly bigger, putting it definitely firmly in the laptop size of things with a mini LED display and a ProMotion display, essentially meaning it has a 120 hertz refresh rate. But on top of that, them also reporting that there could be a potential a 15-inch MacBook Air in the works, as well as a 12-inch MacBook, especially after we just got the announcement of the 13.6-inch M2 MacBook Air from them, and Apple saying that the MacBook Air is their best-selling laptop. It stands to reason that they could potentially want to bring out just a larger size of a fan favorite. And there's also been a lot of reports of people really wanting just a regular MacBook that's slightly smaller. The 13-inch MacBook Pro with the M2 chip that we talked about after WWDC seems to make less and less sense, and I think it would make more sense for them to have regular MacBook, MacBook Air, and then MacBook Pro 14 and 16 inch. Obviously, this is an early report from Bloomberg. They're anticipating that the new iPad Pro would come out sometime early 2023, and this 15 inch MacBook Air might come out spring 2023, and then that 12 inch MacBook would be late next year. But late into the decade is when the EU is looking to get rid of ICE vehicles, also known as internal combustion engine vehicles. This is officially happening as the European Parliament voted to make Europe the first carbon neutral continent by 2050 with the sale of new combustion vehicles to be illegal from 2035 and transitioning over to more sustainable vehicles, whether that's electric or hydrogen based. It will no longer be legal to have just purely combustion vehicles in the EU by that time frame, which makes a lot of sense in order for them to hit their goals of going carbon neutral, getting rid of some of the most pollutant things that actually produce CO2 uh, tracks alongside of that. But one of the difficulties that you might have noticed with electric vehicles. Maybe, I don't know about the EU, but especially here in America, it's very difficult to find them, especially if you're trying to do a rental car situation. Well, Hertz is trying to fix that, and Polestar is now starting to deliver on the 65,000 rental units that Hertz is purchasing from them, with Polestar announcing that they are actually rolling these out, and they're actually delivering them to Hertz right now, and they should have them on the road in a few different cities like Seattle, Phoenix, Miami, and LA. Obviously, there are a ton of roadblocks that are going to be 
in the way when it comes to just fully implementing an electric vehicle infrastructure from actually having charging stations everywhere to also having a power grid that can handle all of this to also having all of the resources in order to produce the batteries to do this to having the charging stations even just at regular locations like hotels and houses that are in apartments that are actually able to charge them getting a ubiquitous access to alternative vehicle sources is going to be tricky but that's also why the legislation is being put in place so that the money for the infrastructure can be brought about by the government and taxes and a whole lot of stuff that's going to be developed in the EU. Whether or not the US is ever going to switch that way, it does appear like car manufacturers are moving towards that regardless of legislation that's happening that's forcing them to stop selling combustion vehicles. It definitely looks like they're noticing that a lot of people actually do want at least more hybrid solutions, whether it's a plug-in EV or a full battery electric vehicle, and that seems to be rolling out more and more. You got things like Dodge coming out with the electric Challenger, you've got Corvette coming out with a hybrid version and then an electric version. Even the things that stand for American sports cars and American muscle cars are making the transition as well. Do you have a car that you want to see either hybridized, electrified or hydrogenized? Let me know down below in the comments and I'm going to let you know what crypto stocks is up to today. Bitcoin having a slightly down day, just crossing below $30,000. It's down 0.36%. Ethereum also down ever so slightly to be at 1780 and Dogecoin down 0.37% to sit at 7.8 cents. And now we got some tech deals for you, the hottest tech deals out on the internet brought to you by Reese and UFD Deals. Amazon Basics dual arm monitor stands only going for $110 right now, which is a 53% discount and a very steeply discounted setup for what looks to be a fairly aesthetically pleasing silver monitor mount. I actually really love the design of this, especially with these little knobs right here. That looks gorgeous to me, but you can check that out at the link in the video description. But what you shouldn't be checking out, especially if you're trying to run Windows, is a boot hard drive. Microsoft wants to get rid of that with them pushing OEMs and sellers of Windows PCs to stop using hard drives for the love of everything and they want them to switch over to purely booting from SSDs by the time 2023 rolls around. Now this doesn't mean that you cannot use a hard drive with Windows, it's just that they don't want to support it for boot purposes. With Microsoft also stating that things like direct storage and Windows subsystem for Android will require an SSD. So in order to get the full experience out of Windows 11, you're likely going to need to be running an SSD anyways and requiring that as the boot drive does seem to make a lot of sense. And as somebody who has refused to buy a hard drive for anything in his computers in four or five years, I am a huge fan of this. The price of SSDs just makes a whole lot of sense. Unless it's critical data stuff, like you don't need to be hoarding all your games. That's just my firm stance. I don't care. Like I'm not gonna recommend you buy a hard drive. I don't care if they come in 14 terabytes. What do you need 14 terabytes for? You don't, you're lying to yourself. That just, that's my take. Anyways, let me know how much storage you have in your PC down below in the comments. Twitter is letting Elon Musk know everything. This is the further development of the story of Elon Musk trying to acquire Twitter, him saying that Twitter is lying about the number of bots that are actually on their site, Twitter coming back and saying, uh, no, the monetizable daily active users that we have is the same amount that it's always been and everything's totally fine. Elon just saying, no, you're lying. And Twitter being like, well, you have to look at all of the data for it to be true. So that's what they're doing. They're giving him the full fire hose of all of their internal database that will include details on more than the 500 million tweets posted to the service every 
every single day, including things like device data and information across the accounts that access the platform, all of that in order to satiate his demands, whether or not this is going to fix it, whether or not this is going to make it so that Elon Musk thinks he's right or wrong is unclear. We obviously have to wait and see. My guess is they can prove that the way they measure their numbers is still true because they're a public company. If they're found that this is, has been a lie the entire time, they're going to be in severe litigation territory because of that. And my guess is this is just a preemption for them to be able to hold up in court and prove that, yes, they did everything that they possibly could to convince Elon and he decided he didn't want it. And that's why the deal didn't go through. Not that they were lying about anything. But again, we'll have to wait and see as litigation continues. But Tesla, Elon's other company, has its own problems because it's being found out that they're bringing radar back to their vehicles. This is a strange move considering the fact that they've removed radar from a lot of their vehicles as of last year to rely on vision only for their full self-driving and autopilot, which essentially means they're using the optical cameras instead of radar, especially with Elon saying the probability of safety will be higher with pure vision than with vision plus radar, not lower. Him saying that essentially the optical is good enough. But now it's being found that Tesla might be actually bringing radar back to their vehicles with a new parts list being found, a new part designation being implemented into the vehicles and a well-known hacker of Tesla vehicles finding that it will likely have the exact same function. So the fact that it could be being brought back into the fold is intriguing and it could potentially have something to do with the fact that the NHTSA is getting closer to recalling Tesla's vehicles over their autopilot features. The NHTSA announcing today that it's going into engineering analysis on the 11 different crashes that they're identifying that have involved first responder vehicles. This just means that they're going to do more investigation, more detailed analysis, trying to figure out is this actually a design flaw of autopilot or is this a design flaw of the humans who are operating the vehicle? The NHTSA writing about this upgraded in investigation saying of those crashes involving first responders or roadside maintenance vehicles for which the car log data existed under the driver engagement strategy alerts were presented to only two of the drivers within five minutes of the crash. This suggests that drivers may be compliant with the driver engagement strategy as designed. So essentially saying that it's autopilot at fault here for actually making it seem like everything was fine when it actually wasn't. And so this is a problem with software in the vehicle and that could potentially lead to a recall. And what is leading to a remake is The Last of Us Part 1 because it's being remade. This actually getting leaked ahead of the Summer Games Fest that happened yesterday with what was supposed to be the big close of the show. They had Naughty Dog on stage and it was seeming like they were going somewhere. And then the last thing they wanted to show off was The Last of Us remake trailer. But surprise, surprise, Sony had already leaked it hours earlier. The Last of Us Part 1 remake looks absolutely beautiful. It's being remade from the ground up for PlayStation 5. It's having new AI, a whole bunch of new implementations, including the visuals. And it's coming out for PS5 on September 2nd of this year with a development for PC being in line right now. No release date for PC, but it does appear like in case you're one, you've always wanted to play The Last of Us Part 1, which has now been out for a decade, you might be able to do that on PC. It looks like it's going to cost $70 over on the PlayStation Store. And it was kind of a bummer for the Summer Games Fest to, to go out on such a whimper because it seemed like it was building up to this. And I was like, no, they can't. They can't they're going to announce Jack 4. And they didn't. They didn't announce Jack 4, Kyler. He's sad. He's a big sad. But you can be really happy 
if you have a Samsung Smart TV because Xbox Game Pass is coming out to Samsung Smart TVs on June 30th. This is the way that you can actually play Xbox games over their cloud gaming service where you don't actually need a console and continues to show that Xbox is definitely investing in games and games development rather than so much of selling their consoles. Several Samsung Smart TVs support this. You'll be able to use Bluetooth controllers, including a DualSense controller, and you'll have the Game Pass Ultimate Library at your disposal. Several outlets that have been reporting on this seem to indicate that this is very much like any cloud streaming apparatus, that this feels just like everything else. It's not actually bogged down by the fact that you're playing on a TV and that you can use an Xbox or a PS5 controller. And this could potentially even be coming out to the M8 smart monitor that Samsung recently announced. I think this just means one thing, one thing only, that we are closer to better video games on the Samsung smart fridge. And we're closer to better setups on the Edge browser in case you're using that Microsoft updating the Edge browser to make it better for gaming. There's an efficiency mode that will decline the resources while you're gaming in case you wanna actually pull open Edge while you're playing a video game, I guess to like look up a tutorial or something like that. There's also gonna be a clarity boost feature in case you're actually streaming games where it could give you better visual fidelity in the actual browser. And then they're also gonna be like implementing more games into the browser, kind of like the Chrome dinosaur thing. Games in your browsers, it's the way of the future. And what's also the way of the future is Intel GPUs, okay? You better believe it. And they're coming out with a new feature called Smooth Sync, which will allow you to get adaptive sync-like qualities on a monitor that actually does not have adaptive sync. This is mostly gonna be focused on lower end setups, things like laptops or 60 hertz 1080p monitors, where it can actually make it so that you, while you don't have adaptive sync, the GPU will try to smooth out any screen tearing that's happening. So so you'll turn VSync off on your computer, but it'll be the GPU that applies a dithering filter where you can kind of see that there is still a little bit of tearing, but the filter actually smooths it out. And that's why it's called Smooth Sync because it smooths out the thing and makes the gameplay a little bit better for you. And what's also gonna be better for you if, if, is if I'm done with hot news, because this is this episode's over. We'll be back here on Monday for more tech news and all the fresh happenings on the internets.